Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Making Sense podcast. I'm Sam. Who are you? I'm Sam. <laughs> They don't know you I, hope, I hope you guys remember me. They don't know you. They do, they do. The streets don't know you no more. Well, they don't know you either. Like. <laughs> What's up, people? We're here. We are. We still exist. Yes, yes, yes. We're here. We, we still, we're still on the pod. We are. We are. We are. Yeah, we probably They are. Yeah. Don't worry. So, Kanisha's here. Who else we got? You got Francis here? Yes, truly. <laughs> As, as per usual, I know. <laughs> consistent. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, so segway <laughs> king. Yeah, yeah, guys, not, we have not beefing. Can we just put it on the record? Yeah, none of that rubbish. No yeah. Beef here. This is a family. Yeah. Yeah. So right. as as you guys know, or might you might not know, but uh, things have been changing for us. So I've had a baby who's five months now, which is kind of been taking a lot of my time so yeah. i haven't been able to record as much as i could have uh also you guys know most of our episodes I, it requires a lot of research information blah 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 so it takes a lot of time yeah so yeah most of us have had to deal with other stuff yeah life. yeah which is the reason why we haven't recorded or haven't been recording regularly but we haven't the, the podcast hasn't ended or anything yeah no it's still happening me and Jerome, we've just we've been moving home and just just <laughs> <laughs> we're just prepping for life. Life is changing, so yeah, yeah, it's just taken yeah. our time, and you don't realize how much time goes by before somebody asks you if you're beefing. Yes, mate. Like, oh, <laughs> no. Isn't it? I got like a few a few messages. Oh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, we're good, man. Yeah, so you might notice a bit of difference with the sound quality, and that's just because we're recording on an app. We're just finding different ways to always bring the content to you, even if we can't all meet up. You heard. Indeed. So, yeah. Indeed, indeed. But we still love each other, of course, and we still love you guys for staying Supporting. With us. We Supporting. do. Thanks a lot. Um, we tweet in. Yeah. That's one thing I've noticed. Like, our social media following is definitely growing. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that we've not been as regular with the episodes. Yeah. So, like, great. Mm-hmm. And you may have noticed that we've gone to every two weeks, which we know a lot of podcasts started with, and then they go to weekly, whereas we went from weekly, and then we've just had to take a bit of a step back and slow it down. But the content is still there. It's still coming. Just bear with us when we can. It will be going back to weekly. But for now, fortnightly is when you'll hear us. Uh, And I'd say the best thing to do is just watch out for our socials. Like We post a lot of articles and stuff. Uh, yeah. from our personal accounts and from the group accounts so you know in between episodes you can go there for content and for our new followers welcome um our new listeners we've got a lot of episodes so please go back listen ask us any questions um so yeah so there's content there there's like 99 episodes sitting there Wait, yeah. Listen, so. Hello. Wow. Yeah. And this is our hundred, yeah? A hundred. A milestone. Congrats, guys. Yes. Well done. Congrats well done. Well done. Well done. Okay. <coughs> I think it's fitting that, you know, for our hundredth episode, all of us are here. Oh yeah, definitely. And we'll we'll be definitely be trying our hardest to do this. But just be patient with us because like you said, we're just going through all positive, happy life changes. But mm-hmm. it just takes its toll on what we're able to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, cool. So, so yeah, this week's episode. That. Yeah, we're it's on a subject, or the subject of equity. <laughs> but before we get into it, 
let me do a disclaimer. My favorite part. <laughs> I think personally, you should let me do it every week, but we'll see. If you, if you want it, I do. This, this is me. <laughs> All right, folks. So you haven't heard it from me in a while, but nothing we have said, nothing we will say, and nothing we have, will ever say in the future <laughs> is meant to be financial advice, nor should you take it as such. This is us researching the facts as we know them and giving you the information. Mm. Do not base anything you do from a financial point of view, whether it be saving, investing, or anything else upon what we said in this podcast without your own independent research or the advice of a folk. Thank you very much. Did you read that off a script? Nope, I made it off. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) See when you got it, yeah, they just don't want to accept it. Don't worry, don't worry. Whatever. Some people have to practice. Some people just quit, isn't it? Oh, excuse Come me. Come on. Come on. Anywho. Anyway. Yes. So the topic is? Equity. Equity, equity, equity. And actually, let me get the definition off my phone because I had it somewhere. But um, I'm only going to talk about it or discuss it from two points of view. That mm-hmm. are properties and cars. And I kind of want to really discuss negative equity. But I think before I do that, I should tell you what equity is in the first place. Yes, so please. So. Equity is the ownership of an asset after all liabilities and debts have been paid. It's most often used when referring to shares in companies, in limited companies, but it can also be used when you're talking about um, a house, for instance. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, those are the two parts, I'm gonna, two topics within equity that I'm going to cover. Um, so houses and cars. So, so equity, basically, say if I have a house that's worth 100000 mm-hmm. and I've got fifty k left on the mortgage, is the equity fifty k? As simple as that. Exactly. Yeah. As simple as that. Um, so now we know what equity is. Uh, and in terms of cars, it will be the same thing. You've got a car that's worth, I don't know, 10K and you've got 5K left to pay. Your equity, you've got 5K equity in that car. Mm. Right. Um, another in particular to properties, what I wanted to discuss was loan to values. It's a little bit of a side topic from equity. Mm. And you may, anyone who's thinking about a mortgage or has one, We've heard of it, and it's literally the amount of your loan in comparison to the value of your home. So that's another way to manage measure your equity, right? The amount of your home in comparison to the value the va- of your home. The value of your home in comparison to the amount of your mortgage. Okay, okay, okay. So your loan. Yeah. So your loan versus the value of your home. Okay, right? yeah. And in general, when you're getting a mortgage, the value of your home mm-hmm. should be more than the loan they give you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now that gap would be your equity. Okay. Right? It's also used in something called loan-to-value, where what the bank do is compare those two, and as a percentage, they'll say, okay, how much of the total value of this home is this loan? Mm. The bigger that percentage, so i.e. the less of the amount they have to lend you in comparison to the total value of the house, generally, the higher your interest rate will be. So the fact that they're not having to lend you the total value of the house is because you've got... A deposit. Okay. Exactly. You've got and your deposit difference. essentially is your equity yeah, that you yeah. start <laughs> the, the mortgage with. Okay. Now, the reason why they do that, so that's their risk, that's their buffer, right? The less of the loan to value uh, percentage, so say they're only giving you a 60% loan to value, they've got a 40% gap or buffer for price volatility in houses, right? Because essentially, do you get that? Go, no, go on. Go on. Yeah, I've got a question. Know, the prices of houses go up and down, yeah. right? And the banks always, banks or whoever's lending your mortgage need to be insured that they can at least get the money they've lent you back. Yeah, yeah. And if and if, if if they can, a profit as well. Yeah. Right? Now, if they you buy a house for half a million pounds, they lend you 400K, and then at some point, you know, you, you can't repay the house, mm-hmm. and they have to repossess the home. If the home is now worth 250 because there's been a ridiculous crash, and that's probably, and Francis probably told me that, unlikely we'll see a movement that big. Yeah. But say that was the case, yeah. they now can only recover 250K, yeah. Yeah. but they lent you 200 
Okay. Right? Yeah. So they take a loss on that. Yeah. But what they try and do is have as big a loan to value as they can so they've got a bigger buffer should the price of the house fall significantly. Okay. Okay. So what is a good loan to deposit ratio then? What would you say? What percentage? I think it's as, as small as you can from a lender's point of view for me. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know if anyone else would, would say any different, but I, I would suggest the littlest loan to values you can afford without, you know, putting yourself in the distress, you know, because some people try and take up money from family, you know, taking up whatever, but without putting yourself in a bind, the bigger the deposit you can get, I think the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, simply because you have that buffer now, should, you know, prices fall, that, you know, that you could sell the house and still get more than what you've got mm -hmm. left on your loan. Um, you so also, basically, you want to borrow as little as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Because you've got to pay that debt back, it yeah. will mount up in interest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, um, oh, you made me lose my point, actually. Thanks, oh, Sam. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. And also, uh, at the outset, your interest rate will tend to be lower if you've got a lower load to value, yeah. basically, because yeah. you're a lower risk. So, you know, the algorithms or the actuarials, whoever does that, will calculate a lower risk. So, that's so like the credit, credit and um, credit risk analysis. Yes, that's it. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, those guys. So earlier you said that if you have a mortgage, then you'll know what loan to value is. Mm -hmm. Is there any other situation you'd be in where you'd learn what this is? Uh, not really. Well, technically, yes, but it's mainly referred to or I've seen it referred to in relation to houses. Okay. Like the LTV yeah. or loan to value is often mentioned. Um, you know, when you're looking for mortgage, you'll see it. Like yeah. they'll ask you what deposit you have or whatever in their mm -hmm. calculators and then it'll tell you what your LTV is. And generally, you'll see different interest rates, different terms, depending on what you're... you're and is that is. just because of the level of um, borrowing you're doing? Correct. Like, yeah. there's no point mentioning it for cars because it's yeah. much smaller. As a, The bigger deposit you have, the least less of a risk you are as, yeah. a, as a lender to them, as a borrower. Okay. Yeah. Um, LTV, is, it's, it's just an, another word for leverage, really. Exactly. So, exactly. Some, somewhere else where they might say leverage, in the real estate or in the property world, they say LTV. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. okay, cool. So, that's... and on Google, you can find loads of loan to value calculators as well for anyone that wants to research that. Cool. <coughs> so, now we know what equity is, and we've discussed loan to value. Now, I'm really going to get onto the topic I want to discuss, which was negative, negative equity. And forgive me for stuttering. Cool. So, in homes, it's literally the reverse of what I've just said, and in cars, it's the same thing as mm -hmm. well, right? So, this would be a case where you've got a mortgage of 400k but your house is now only worth 300k mm -hmm. so if you want to sell that house you owe you still owe that bank that 100k mm -hmm. right uh, generally what happens in those situations people have to take out remortgages or find other ways of financing that gap mm -hmm. because or you'll just have a debt with the bank and they'll pursue you down that route yeah right now what generally causes that is market crashes right house property crashes so the last one we saw was in 2008 I mm -hmm. think there was one, Francis, correct me, please, in the late 90s. Yeah, there was. And in I the, think there was uh, one in the 60s, I think. The, yeah, I think it was like 94 or something, in the UK anyway. Yeah, that, and that, yeah. That, yeah, all the facts I'm talking about is in the UK. Okay, so yeah, 94, in, yeah. Yeah, I think there was one in the late 90s. I think there was one in the 60s, I believe. Okay. But the last one was in 2008. And essentially, property prices went down by, I think, around 20 to 30%. Mm. Um, in, in I think UK wide, I think that was the average. I don't think that was particular to London, but someone correct me on that if I'm wrong. But what you had is, you know, and the reason why I wanted to discuss this topic is when I used to work for in you know personal banking several years ago, or during the 2008 crash, I came across a lot of people that you know had had their house for two, three years, come to a stage when they want to remortgage to get out of a really expensive deal, yeah. and they couldn't because they were in negative negative equity. Mm -hmm. 
So the thing with negative equity in houses anyway, it's not really an immediate threat because if you're planning to keep this house for 20, 30, 40 years, yeah. the prices might go back up again. And your mortgage mm -hmm. amount, as long as it's agreed, you just continue to exactly, pay. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So in the long term, I, I don't really see it as a super threat unless you're buying in an area and something dramatic happens there and no, everyone moves out of there, like, yeah. you know, a war or something. I don't know. But generally, I, I don't see it as a threat in the long term. I don't know. What's your view, Francis? Yeah, I'd agree. I, I yeah. think it's, it's only when you come to doing something, like you said, trying to um, get out some equity or, I don't know, get a new mortgage, stuff exactly. like that. That's the only time it's in. But yeah, like you said, if you're going to just sit on the house for years, then no. Exactly. And, that, and that's kind of why I mentioned it. Because I can imagine, especially now, with house prices being as inflated as they are. Yeah. And, and another interesting topic I read on this is that Help to buy, actually. And this has actually been a criticism of help to buy for some time now. That it, some people think it's been a bad thing because it's inflated the price of houses. And I'm pretty sure we covered that in one of our property episodes we did. Um, by the fact that the, the fact that so many more people can enter the market now and that they're heavily weighted towards new build homes, which tend to have a premium on them anyway. Yeah. Like all it's done is just heavily inflate the prices in places like London, Liverpool, those kind of places that are getting uh, gentrification. Yeah. Or uh, renovation or whatever you want to call it. So it's a case that I think now, I, I fear that a lot of people are buying homes at ridiculous prices. Mm. And if we do get a significant correction, then there's so many things, as much as the underlying, underlying data doesn't seem like we're going to have a recession anytime soon, mm. there's so many flash things that could happen that could cause a, a, a recession or very much a slowdown. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just something people should be aware of when they're getting these homes. How much equity do they have in their pocket? Yeah. Could they be in a situation that in three or four years' time they plan they plan to remortgage to get equity out to you know, do something else or to pay back somebody who's lent them some money? Because that happens, you know, somebody will lend you money for a house because that used to be the model back in the day. Someone lends you some money now, you get some equity down the road, you take that equity out and pay them back. Yeah. You may not be able to do that in the short term. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's people to understand that and make sure they're comfortable with where they're at. Can you? Sorry. Sorry. No, sorry, can, can you sell your home if it's in negative equity? So I was looking around on that. There's things you can do, but I think it's like more subprime lenders. If I'm honest, the, the main high street banks won't touch you. I don't think. I think, or basically to sell it. Sorry, I think yeah, you'd have to find a way to give the bank that hundred k, um, or you'd have to take out some find another way to finance that. Whether it be taking out a loan from someone else, seeing mm. if they'd give you a loan. Uh, put it this way, you'd have to get that 100k back to the bank some way, somehow. Mm. Okay. And if you want to remortgage, as I say, most places won't touch you. And I think some of the subprime guys might touch you, but your rate will be ridiculous, yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Mm. Okay. You know, or the deal just won't be a good one. Okay. You know? Um, so that's kind of my view on it. I think, I don't know, in your guys' view, is that something you've ever considered in terms of, or do you? Do you think most people still buy with the expectation that they're going to see the returns that our parents did in their homes? A hundred percent. I think so for homes, yes. And I think some people literally buy to live in and don't really think about those things. Mm. I do think that if people are settled and they're comfortable paying their mortgage and they haven't even thought about getting money out of it, that it's, it's mm. not something that's thought about. And that's a good point because not everyone buys for for that mm -hmm. income equity down the road some people just are buying a home yeah and they just want thing, it right? to remain as an asset yeah. that their family owns and that's it 
And also, important to stress out, this is a very UK-specific kind of cultural trend. So this is not a global thing. Yeah. It's not it's a country where, yeah, where okay. people own, own their houses. UK is probably the most, I would say, followed by the US. But yeah. what's the difference between UK and US is houses are so much cheaper in the US. Mm. Yeah. And they get so, some space for their money. Yeah, and I think in the UK, it's almost like it's the cultural norm where you do certain things in life, you reach a milestone, you're expected to own your house at some point. Yeah. But so I think interesting it, where that came from. Yeah, I think people almost do it unconsciously. It's just an aim yes. they have in life, but don't yeah. even necessarily... Yeah, do you from, think it's necessary? It right to buy it. We're Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. So I read up, I was reading up on this when I was researching this episode. Mm. So that's not always been a UK culture. It was kind of post-war where Thatcher was trying to, you know, promote, I don't know, development of the working classes. Mm. That's when she did the right to buy. And that's when many of our parents or the parents before them were able to buy at council prices, places at significant discounts. Mm. So then it became something not just the rich people did. Because before that, only rich people owned homes in this country. It was kind of what's been said is once they did right to buy, it became Mm. a thing that everyone could aspire for. And that's now where you're at, that Mm. those people that previously couldn't buy homes, they could. And now their kids think, well, that's something we should, should do. It's be become doing. an aspiration yeah. for everybody. Yeah. So that even that's pretty recent to the UK. Mm. So in terms of cars, because we've used homes and property as an example, mm-hmm. um, I guess now people are, less people are buying their cars. I don't mm-hmm. know the stats, but it seems as though less people are buying their cars. But I guess it's comparative to when you buy a car <coughs> bless you, Thank you. on higher purchase where it's not least you you've purchased it you owe that money mm. so regardless of what happens with that value of that car you still owe yeah whichever mm-hmm. um bank or retailer that money yeah, yeah, yeah so with cars where so same same concept it's the total value of the car or asset uh, versus the debt you have right mm. now interesting thing with new cars um we, okay, so new cars tend to depreciate faster than old cars, mm-hmm. mainly because most of the depreciation with vehicles is in the first two to three years yeah. of you owning a car. That's when most of the depreciation happens. So if you had a graph, it would be very steep to start, mm-hmm. then it levels out over time. Yeah. So what they say is most people that get a brand new car on finance are going to be yeah. negative yeah. for the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. So if you try and do anything with that car, you're going to be suffering, yeah. basically. Right? Yeah. I've been in because that position, so I know. You've been in that? Okay. So from what I've read, so just to not scare everyone, if you got the car on PCP, uh, so personal contract purchase, Mm -hmm. and I think it might be the same thing with personal contract hire, Mm -hmm. right? At the end of the deal, if your car is worth less than what you own the finance, then they write off. So say your balloon payment's 5K at the end of it, and balloon payment is an optional payment at the end, or the payment at the end. If your Balloon payment's 5K, but the car's only worth 4K. As long as you've kept it in good condition and stayed underneath the mileage agreement, mm-hmm. you can give that car back with no problems. Yeah, yeah. Right? They will take the loss on it. Yeah. The problem, where it becomes a problem is, often what they t- say to you when you're buying or getting one of these agreements is, if you have equity at the end, that works as your deposit for the next car. Mm-hmm. So many people think, okay, at the end of this deal, this, the salesman told me I'll have a couple grand equity yeah. so I can go and get a new car now and not have to have the cash deposit, yeah. the deposits in my car, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. So you need to be mindful of that because you might get to an end of the deal being negative equity. Yes, you can give the car back, but if you wanted to go and get a new car, if you, if you still need a car, you're going to have to find a deposit or buy a car outright. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the risk is. That's, yeah, that's what I was told. Yeah. Exactly what I was told. 
you know okay. Okay. so and that so that's something to be wary of um gap insurance is something good to know about as well we've briefly touched on that and that's literally it kind of does what it says on the tin yeah. it covers the gap between how much you own the finance and how much the car is worth yeah. Yeah. and that's mainly for if you have a total loss so you lose the vehicle like crash stolen or whatever and you know the, the car was your insurers say they're only going to pay about 5k but you owe the, the finance company 10k mm. the gap insurance will cover that yeah. but another thing i read check those some of the terms and conditions aren't great and it can be expensive and so basically don't, don't always go with the gap insurance that the salesman tries to sell you have a look around for different types yeah. of gas insurance. That's one thing I read today. How do you find out the equity in your car? So that's a tough one. I don't know how the everyday person would, right? So when I worked in the leasing industry, there was something called CAP. Can't remember what it stands for. John would be able to tell me. Obviously, he's the expert in this. But I maybe I'll ask him to get him to put a voice note right here. <laughs> I'm actually going to do it. <laughs> 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 well, if I didn't get the voice note from John, this is me. Uh, so there's a, there's a website called Cap, where pretty much it had the value of cars. And I think basically what these guys do, they go out to various auctions and see roughly how much your car is selling for. And they come up with an average price almost. But I, companies pay for that data because mm. it's valuable data to know, right? Because that's what leasing companies use in the calculation of the prices yeah. of your vehicles yeah. or the lease payments that you have to make. And um, so I, don't know how you can get that kind of information on a free basis, but what you can do is just generally look for a similar model to your car on auto trade or whatever and see roughly what they're going for in your area. That's the easiest thing you can do. That's the, that's the best place to get a market value, I'd say. So with negative equity in cars, you said basically as soon as you drive off the lot, mm -hmm. you're going to be in negative equity. Yes. Is there anything else you can do to put yourself in that position or is it just the standard with cars um no so it's the standard with cars but you can make it worse if you don't treat the car well mm. so if you're not getting serviced regularly if you're not keeping from the mileage so if you're putting extra miles on it because the more miles you put on the car the more it depreciates mm -hmm. um so yeah it's, you need to keep it in good condition so regular servicing um i'd say make sure you use a reputable service company mm. um if it's a new car i would probably ask them who their recommended list is um, so just to make sure that, you know, because they could look at it and say, well, the quality of this work isn't good yeah, enough. Yeah. So just make sure it's not going to invalidate anything like mm. that, like any warranty kind of thing. And that will help keep the value of your car. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just, well, just treat it with care, really. So it seems like with cars, it's about what the user does. But with homes, it's about what the market's doing. Pretty much. Pretty so much. you don't have much. I mean, apart from keeping things modern and stuff like that, as a home, yeah. owner, do you have much control? Much control. Um, only, as you say, keeping things modest so you could add value to your home. Mm. So people do extensions, loft conversions, all that kind of stuff. So you can add value to your home. Or as you say, just keep it modern. Keep trying to do whatever you can do to keep the value of it up. But ultimately, if the climate is doing something that is affecting house Correct. prices. And for me, the main part of this is for people to be careful when they buy. Mm. And not just buy to say they own, but really look at all the various standards. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much what it is for me, really. Um, yes, what do you guys think of that? Um, um, it seems interesting to discuss the two together. Mm -hmm. It seems like cars is something that it seems quite straightforward. And it seems like because of these reasons, people aren't really buying new cars anymore. Mm -hmm. I say cars straightforward. Sorry, Sam, but I think this is where people get swindled a lot. Mm. But do you feel like there's a lot of people purchasing new cars, though? No, not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. I, I'm just basing that on friends. Yeah, mm. yeah, same, same. I, I don't know anyone that's bought their car outright. 
like it sounds odd to even discuss the two yeah. things together yeah, because yeah, yeah. it seems like where there was a time when you would discuss them together now it's so different where people are leasing their cars changing them every three years so they can drive the newest whereas if you're home you, you're not flipping houses like mm. that you you save up you invest you buy that's a dream and then yeah. well yeah <laughs> And that's, that's probably the reality now. Maybe people can't do that anymore because I know previous generations, that's, that's what they do. You buy a house in three years, you take out the equity, you upgrade your house. Mm. And that, I know people that have, you know, got to bigger and better houses doing that, mm. you know, getting equity and reinvesting it and taking out a bigger mortgage or whatever. You know, maybe our generation can't do that. The house you buy, you're going to have to be in it for some time, mm. especially because of the timing of when you're buying it. And I think on that note, what I'd say is like, Francis, from like your point of view of the stuff you're seeing, what's your kind of view of the UK property market at the moment? Well, since Brexit, it kind of fell, mm-hmm. um, especially like the um, prime, like London Prime fell, mm-hmm. and since it hasn't since the fall in 2016, it hasn't really recovered. And then in in the London areas where it has gone up, it's gone up by I don't know marginal, like very very low rates. Yeah. yeah. So, long story short, since Brexit, everything has fallen. Now, obviously, once this agreement comes into place, it's going to go one way or another, right? If if we have some kind of good, clean, soft Brexit, then yeah, house prices will probably will probably rise again. If we have a no deal, at least 10, 15% drop again in London. Oh, wow. Mm, yeah, and that's what I've read. So one quote I saw from someone at KPMG, I didn't get his name, but... In the current in the current forecast, KPMG suggests a no deal. A deal would see average loan prices at four hundred and fifty-three k, while a no deal would see them reduced down to four hundred and twenty-two. And I think the four fifty is roughly where they're at now. So what they were suggesting is, if we get a deal, prices will stay pretty much flat, mm-hmm. and I think we'll see modest growth going forward. But yeah. as Francis said, if we get a no deal, yeah, ten to fifteen percent mm-hmm. drop. Yeah, I mean, to to just to give you an example, some guy from my workplace he sold his house in January, right this year. Because to him, that was the peak of the market. And he, he said he's going to wait till Brexit and then he's going to buy a new one. Yeah. Because he, he said either he's going to buy something at very similar price to what he sold if or there's less. a clean Brexit mm-hmm. or at, at a cheap, um, at a big discount if mm-hmm. there's a hard Brexit. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't know, I haven't kept up to the, with politics lately, but I know a, a deal's been agreed. Um, a deal's been agreed, but I don't think it's all the way through yet, right? No, they've they've um they've they've extended it to January. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, they want they want they just want to have the election now, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the deal, but that deal is not. There's not much different. To it what, isn't. So I I don't know why this deal is different. That's the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's going to be another delay? Potentially, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think so. But yeah, because many people have said from what I've seen, that this deal is very similar to one of the deals that uh, Theresa May put forward and that got rejected. So, you know, it's been kind of confusion as to why there was a vote for this one. I don't mm-hmm. know if maybe they've realised, look, this is the best you're going to get. Um, but now they want to do the election to kind of see who's going to be the party to actually enforce that deal. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to remember, it's going to be very interesting because if we get a, a Corbyn government, yeah. we're going to get a soft Brexit. I don't think it'll be this deal. I think it'll be a very much a different deal, um, a more left-leaning deal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. So I think more for properties anyway, because you say they're more susceptible to the market. Yeah. Like what's going to happen from a political standpoint, you know, it, it's going to, it could drastically affect your, your, the equity you have in your home in the short to medium term. Mm. So how, 
apart from what's happening in the climate that you don't have control over, um, what advice would you give to homeowners? You've spoken about modernising extensions and stuff like that. But how do you just keep track and make sure you're on top of knowing what equity you have in your property? It's exactly that. It's, it's regularly checking a Zoopla or a Ratman yeah. to see the yeah. value of your home. Uh, understanding how much you owe on your mortgage, regularly having mm -hmm. a review. Don't just, after you've seen the mortgage advisor and he sold you the mortgage, no, he, he's, he, he needs to roll with you throughout the duration of it mm. if they want to keep your business. So feel free to go and see your mortgage advisor as regularly as you can to say to get a checkup on what the state of your mortgage compared to the value of your home. Yeah. Um, and I think just plan accordingly. Like, as you say, if, if you're in a situation someone's lent you money for the home on the basis that you'll give it back when you remortgage, just know that in the medium term, you might not be able to do that. So, you know, they shouldn't lend you that money on the basis that, yeah, we're going to get it back in three years because they might not. That's, I think that's the main thing for me that, homeowners can do in the current situation yeah cool cool well i think that's that's pretty much it for me um you know if you get in a car and you have negative equity you might have to put up the deposit for your new car um so there's not an immediate financial risk they can't mm. get that from you but with a home they can so if you want to remortgage you might not have the equity too you might not be able to move to a cheaper deal because you have negative negative equity I saw that a lot in the 2008 crash. Mm. Uh, people that had to keep paying very high interest rates because yeah. they were negative equity and couldn't move to cheaper deals, um, which is, you know, a cash loss, as they say these days. Um, and yeah, keep up to date what's happening with Brexit because it could knock 10 to 15% off the value. Buy what you can afford as well. Yes, yes, yes. Buy with the future in mind as well, not just what yes. you can afford now, what you can yes. afford should things go wrong. Yeah. But this is mainly if you're thinking about remortgaging. Yeah and selling and stuff like that mm. if you've literally purchased to have an asset in your family name yeah this stuff as long as you can continue to afford your mortgage this stuff doesn't really affect you too much exactly mm -hmm. exactly so that's it if you're buying for, for it to be your home mm -hmm. then this is slightly less of a concern for you uh, but if you are buying as a step on the property ladder just know how, how you may be able to exit mm. when you want to. okay mm -hmm. but francis while i've got you here is this recession coming or not? Nah. Ah, not def definitely, on, def def definitely not this year. And for next year, I, I, I probably not. How come? How come? Be because I'm, I'm talking, everything is from, from the US perspective, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone follows, every country kind of follows the US most times anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple months ago, there was this huge, everyone was talking about recessions, recessions, recessions. Because of the trade war mainly. Um, now, the trade war, they're kind of slowly starting to find agreements. Yeah, I've heard that. The data, the economic data that's coming out, is starting to improve, especially mm. in the US. And well, in the US, it never really, it, it was never bad. But even then, it's kind of starting to improve again. So if you just look forward to a year or so, I don't see what it would be that would cause a recession. Got you. So I, I don't think there's a recession this year or next year. Um, I might be wrong, but mm. I don't so. even yeah. I've started to soften my outlook a little bit, but I'm still not sure. I, there's still something in my bones that says recession will come, as my people say. No, because whenever there's a recession, there needs to be some kind of catalyst, some kind of shock. And, and that's right? my that's my issue. There's so many of those that potentially could happen. But, who's to but, but where where would it come from? Because for now, the trade war was the potential where it could yeah, come that's from. calmed down. So what? So in now, well. I don't know. I don't know where I could maybe there is something that no one knows, but I, I don't know. Okay, so 
another one I want to ask you before we go. So, mothers and papas and mother care, mm. both in probably <clears throat> about that yeah. recently. I that, know that. we discussed the fact that consumers are still spending, but what on? When yeah. I kind of looked at that same report, it looked like yeah. mostly on housing costs, not necessarily uh, okay. the, the more discretionary things. Yeah. Like, is yeah. that a concern? If, if, if our increase in consumption is literally just because the cost of our homes or living in homes is becoming more expensive, yeah. would that not be masking like weakness in the consumers? Mm, no, because it's the, 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 the power of the consumer is driven by employment. Mm. So as long as people are finding jobs and unemployment is low, the consumer has money to spend. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so do you not see mother cares? The, the, okay, the no, retail see, sector in the UK what, in general, does that what, not concern what, a bit? No, it does. But okay. the, the concern is to me is that all these retail shops, all these retail shops with physical stores, mm. they're the issue. Yeah. They're all going down. That's mm. where the real issue is. Yeah. They have way, they have way too much debt. Yeah, yeah, physical stores, not so, enough online presence. So, what is going to replace them? What is the high street going to look like? I think the high street is going to look very different. Yeah. I think so. I don't know. I think we're going to get some Amazon stores. Um, yeah. I think so. I think kind of what Francis just said. I think we'll see brands that have got a very good online presence start to enter yeah. the physical space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's what I think. That's what we'll see. Stores that have got a good online presence already will enter the physical space. I don't know how they'll get around the property costs. Because that seems to be the number one issue for a lot of companies, how much they're having to pay for property. I feel like yeah. it would be more on a click and collect kind of level. I was like just about to say that. Yeah, yeah. that's why you... Yeah. But that's yeah. what they can yeah. use the stores for. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think it would be literally to sell... Buy stuff. Yeah. 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 Or or it would be if you wanted to speak to some kind of representative in person, yeah. see something yeah. in person or whatever. But yeah, That would be interesting. Mm. So we'll just see a reversal of the trends, right? So everyone went online and then those online companies become so big that they can afford to come back into physical spaces. I don't know if they can. Like, look at Misguided. Because they came in, in and out of Stratford pretty quickly, right? They, I yeah, of... I don't think they're there anymore. They're not there anymore. Are, are they not? I don't think Misguided's there. Oh, wow. But yeah, I don't think that that was anyone's ever major go-to. It was still grab your phone, go online, get yeah, the next day yeah. delivery. Or and it's, I'm not going to lie, Stratford is far. If it was anything, they should have put it in Central. I think the location was bad no, as well. No, because then, then we would say it's far. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, it's true. But yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, I don't think it works to go from online to a store unless the demand is that crazy. Whereas online, I can see what's in in stock, get it delivered the next day. Mm. Yeah. Is that our sixth member in the background? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It is yeah. <laughs> bring him on, put him on the mic, man. Let him, let him stop hearing, man. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. But yeah, so, hey, none of us do, really. <laughs> But yeah, so I think that's it for me. That was a good little yeah. quick econ chat at the end. I think we should do that more often, really. Like yeah, yeah. state of state of the economy. Yeah. yeah. We like our version of state of the culture. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm the Joe Budden of the podcast, that's why. You're the Joe Budden. Yes, I am. Okay. Your Ma, Francis is Rory. <laughs> <laughs> so what is Sam? Parks. So I'm yeah, Sam's Parks. <laughs> Screen guy, but um, yes, but yes. thank you guys okay. for listening to another episode of Making Sense podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Castbox, Spotify, and please check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Making Sense PC. Please send all your questions. Continue to give us episode ideas. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> that's it.
Thank you for listening. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Yeah, man. All right, bye. Bye.